Matt Stepp, last week you were in El Paso, and now you are in Canada. Please compare and contrast these two locations. Mountains. Tep and Step, your premium high school football podcast from your friends, your amigos, your formerly in mountain time friends. I guess I already said friends. At Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep, Greg Tepper. And I'm the Step, Matt Step. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider. We love you very, very much. We appreciate you taking a little bit of your time out of your day to listen to us ramble on about high school football. But, you know, everyone's got their courage. You know what I mean? Everyone's got their thing that they do. This is your weird thing that you do. You listen to us talk about high school football. That's okay. okay. We're here to tell you. We're here to enable you. We want to be your enabler, you know? Um, This is your week. Yeah, I was going to say. But this in, is case, your in this week. case, it is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this is your week four preview edition of Tep and Step. Uh, we'll get to some week three uh, action in a little bit. Uh, we'll also probably talk about, uh, I don't know, a little bit about what we did last week, because I think that was, uh, that was pretty fun. It was. Um, it was. But we will start, Matthew, as we always do, with your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. Uh, and and Matt Step, I think I got a good one because uh, we had a little bit of history made last week uh, when we had. Let me make sure I get this right. For just the, hold on, I can get this right. Hold on, just the thirty-second time in UIL eleven-man history, we had a player carry the ball. I'm sorry, I guess it's 53rd time. 53rd time in UIL 11-man history. Did I say that? Yeah, 53rd time. No, 33rd time. I'm all over. All right, take two. In three, two. For just the 33rd time in UIL 11-man history, we had a player carry the ball more than 50 times in a game. Matt Stepp, who did it? Oh, wow. We had a guy have 50 carries last week? I'll tell you, he had 51 carries. And it's a name that you know, a name we have mentioned on this program before. Huh. Um, wow. It wasn't uh, the quarterback. For, it wasn't the quarterback for North Garland, was it? It is not. It's not God's power. Yeah, uh, God's no. power, yeah. Which no. is... An elite name. Uh, no, it is a running back, in fact, and it's a 6A running back. A 6A running back with 51 carries. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm drawing a blank here. Well, the problem is you were all over the place this weekend. And so yeah. I can tell you that Matt Stepp, Quadzilla himself, McKaylin Young, carried the ball a grand whopping total. A 51 times. Let me pull up his full stat line here, courtesy of our friend at the Dallas Morning News. His final line, uh, 51 carries, 279 yards, and four touchdowns. And that's against a really good defense. Yes. Those are 51 hard carries. Those are 51 uh, bruising carries uh, as uh, Midland Legacy falls late to Arlington Martin, 43-37. But there you have it, your Texas high school football. Faded in the fourth quarter there. Yeah. Faded a little bit, yeah. 
I wonder Your why. Texas high school ball fun. Yeah, I know. Fun fact of the week: McKaylin Young. Congratulations to Quadzilla who carried the ball fifty-one times. Uh, we did have the last time that that happened. Uh, that we had a guy. It did happen once in twenty twenty, uh, and that was uh, Andrew Body. Andrew Body carried fifty-one times against LBJ in that regional final. Is that right? Yeah, it was a regional final. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he carried the ball 51 times. It's the last time we've had a guy carry 51 times. Anyway, we there it is, Nick your Ralston, Texas high school. Uh, current Dallas Cowboy Nick Ralston did it in the state championship game. Yes, he did. Uh, he yeah. did it 54 times. <laughs> that, that really was that really was like among the most absurd. Like, mm-hmm. but but at the same time, you you appreciate what Todd Rogers was doing there. He's like, you know what? Uh, why don't we keep it, keep giving it to the awesome guy? Yeah, like it's a bold strategy. Feels really good. I remember covering. I remember I was um, in my early days with Dave Campbell's. Uh, do you remember when Keon Kinner was cooking for Little Elm? Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. And name. they just they just kept feeding him. He ran the ball fifty seven times against Frisco Wakeland. He ran the ball fifty five times against against Prosper. Like in the same year, he kept doing. Oh, they yeah. kept being like, okay. Uh yeah, and he ended up carrying three hundred. Cole Beasley's dad was the coach, I think, wasn't he? Was Cole Beasley? I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. But they're just like, why don't we just give him the ball? Um, anyway, there it is. Your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. All right, Matthew, let's talk a little bit about week three. Some week three cleanup. And you know, for a week that we were talking about, might be a little bit light on the slate. It sure didn't have any shortage of things for us to talk about, um, because. I thought that there were a couple of really like eye-opening results that came out of there. Um, I guess, I mean, some of them you can call bona fide upsets, right? Like um, mm-hmm. uh, Bushland beating Canadian is a certified upset. They were 32-point underdogs, according to the computer. And they were um, down 35-7 at the half. Yeah. So I mean, it was between... going according to what we thought it would go in the first half. And then in the second half... It's, Canadian did this last year too. You know, they had that late collapse against Iowa Park last year in the second half. Mm-hmm. Seems like they have one of these every year during non-district. All of a sudden, but you know, I think they'll be fine. But but that's a great win for Bushland in a team that uh, might we, we might need to put on the radar in there in, in Region One, Three, A Division One. Well, and I'll just I, I don't know if we're going to take them in the draft, but they get Stratford this week. And if you want to talk about uh, getting two scalps in two weeks, I mean that would certainly certainly mm-hmm. qualify if they were able to do that. Uh, DeKalb beating Pilot Point kind of came out of nowhere. That was a real uh, stunner for me. I, I I thought Pilot Point was going to roll in that game. And, I thought so too. And DeKalb's off to a nice start. They're 3-0 and now, but this is a Pilot Point team in, in Division One that we thought was was ranked in the top 10 in the state. And that's, that's a huge win for the Bears. And, and, and you got a 3A Division Two Region 3 is already loaded. And now you add in another potential contender there in decalb and and that's a that's a huge win for that program yeah it really is like a a real signature win uh for them but uh but yeah those were the ones and then i guess we would be remiss if we did not mention the biggest result of the week and we were there Mm -hmm. uh thursday night the mighty el paso socorro bulldogs are in the win column for the first time in nearly six full calendar years um huge for that program it, it was, it, it was, and I'm, I'm just, you know, we, we went out there to R.R. Jones Stadium and again, just can't say enough about the hospitality and, 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 and the program that, um, that Ray Aguilar Jr. is running out there at, at, at El Paso Heights first class all the way. Um, and 
that, that we watched that Socorro game, and I remember turning to Pickle at one point at like halftime. They scored to go up like 15 or 16 at halftime. And we had been recording highlights just for social and stuff. And I told her, I was like, look, you might need to start recording highlights for like, you know, high school scoreboard live. Because if if because if Socorro can pull this off, I mean that's history. And and you you started to get it. You started to you started to feel that buzz in about maybe middle late third quarter. Like there's starting to be this this extra buzz over on the Socorro sideline that oh my gosh we might actually do it. And and you just you could see it on the kids' faces. Like it was you have never seen an O and two team beating an O and two team that was followed by so many hugs. And so many just like such a big celebration and for, for good reason, you know, that, they that, that's, they, they deserve that. That was a huge deal for that program. And, and to, to, you know, say, you know, technically the winning streak was broken last year, but those wins weren't mm-hmm. earned. I mean, they were just, they just didn't have COVID and they yep. got a couple of forfeit wins. This, this was a win they actually earned on the field and it's, it was really sweet for them. And you could, you know, their, their seniors were taking pictures and it was just, it was a big moment for that entire community. So, uh, hats off to them for sure. Yeah, most certainly. But we had a great time in El Paso, and and just can't thank the people out there enough for uh, for for us and or for for having us out and putting up with us and letting us crash their parties because uh, uh, it's 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 fun time. And I, I know I've, I know I'm a broken record when I say this, but like if you ever have the means to get out to El Paso, especially like on a like a football weekend, like that that is a cool cool town and you can have an awesome weekend out there in El Paso. Uh, if you, you know, find find a UTEP game and wrap a wrap a high school football weekend around a UTEP game and you will that is a that is a certified guaranteed fun weekend. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so let's move on to our week four draft. Uh, if this is your first episode of Tep and Step, welcome. Here's how it works. Step and I go back and forth selecting games that we are most interested in in a week in, in this week. Once it's picked, it's off the board. We go five rounds, uh, and then we select our hipster game of the week. Uh, we had a coin toss before the show. I won the coin toss, so I get the first pick. And with the first pick in this week's draft, I. I believe I'm going to go to the Golden Triangle. Okay. For a big time clash down in Southeast Texas as 7:30 p.m. Friday night at Curtis Barbe Field in beautiful Newton, Texas. It will be the Newton Eagles welcoming in the West Orange Stark Mustangs. And Here's a weird question, Step. We're now into week four. What do we know about either of these teams? Like, what do we know, know about either of these teams? You know, we definitely don't know much about West Orange Stark just because they, one of their bigger tests was canceled, you know, because Jasper had mm-hmm. a COVID outbreak um, a couple weeks ago. So they, their game last week against uh, West Orange Stark was canceled. And <clears throat> I believe Newton lost a game to COVID also. So Newton. Uh, Newton's comes in two and zero, oh, but you know they have wins. You know the Woodville win is nice. Woodville's a solid three A Division one team, and that was a pretty, pretty solid win over them. And they blew out Kirbyville. Um, I, you're right. I don't think we know a ton about either one of these teams. I think this is one of those matchups where I think we're going to learn. This is the first real measuring measuring stick game mm-hmm. for both of these teams against someone, uh, you know, kind of that can punch at their weight, so so to speak. 
Right, because because here's the thing is that like you know West Orange Stark has that loss uh, in the opener, uh, a close loss to Nederland. Well, that's a five A team, and by the way, Nederland's off to a three and zero start. So like, let's not you know turn our nose up at that. And, uh, it, was and game, they, it was a game that didn't finish. Remember that game? Yes, that, that game was called off with two minutes left in the third quarter. So yeah. they played basically three quarters. I mean, conceivably West Orange Stark had a full you know had 15, fourteen minutes of game action left to potentially win that ball game. Right. Um, and then they're off They're off last week. They have a win over Little Cypress, Mauriceville. Uh, and then they now they get Newton. Same thing can be said for Newton is that, like, look, they have wins over Woodville, as we mentioned, uh, and then that win over Kirbyville. But, like, let's be honest. Th- we, we are fairly confident that they are better than them, right? Both of those teams? Yes. Like, there's, very, there's very no confident. real... That's not an upset there. Well, here is a real measuring stick and a real ch- uh, chance to to see where both these teams stand. Because I'll tell you, you know, Newton has put up impressive numbers, and Anthony Gatson, their running back, has been uh, ridiculous. Just, I mean, he's been one of the best players in, in the state, plain and simple. But, you know, this is the first time he's going to go up against a certified, legit, we think, defense in West Orange Stark. Um and and this is gonna. I think that's where a lot of this game, uh, a lot of the intrigue in this game lies. Is how can is how does this um, this Newton running attack, which we think has a chance to be good and could be really really good, potentially like three A division two contender good, match up against uh, a West Orange Stark defense that traditionally is very strong and all indications are is pretty darn good this week this year. There's also another side of it. The other side of the ball is interesting as well, in that. You know, West Orange Stark, offensively, they've got Jaron Terrell back for what feels like his one millionth year of eligibility at the quarterback spot. Um, they've got a couple of running backs they feel good about, like Elijah Gales, etc. And this is a team that, when they have a couple of playmakers, they can be dangerous. I don't know if I'm quite ready to throw them into that 4A Division II uh, championship discussion quite yet, but we'll certainly have a better feel for both of these teams coming out of this. I think for me, this is this is a game that I want to see if Newton can go out there and bow up against a team that's bigger than them. That also seems, in many respects, like it matches up pretty well against them. If they can go out there and they can and they can beat West Orange Shark, and e- you know, even if it's close, if they can go out there and beat West Orange Shark. I could be convinced that they're in that upper echelon, like truly upper echelon of 3A Division Two, with the Franklins, with the Gunners, with, you know, let's just continue to lump in Canadian, even though obviously they 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 lost, uh, you know, last week. Um, I think there's a lot to gain from Newton in this one. Yeah, it's kind of weird that we haven't really, it's been a few couple, it's been three years since we've talked about Newton as a state contender. Um since that great senior class graduated when they beat Canadian Canadian in that really good state championship game a couple of years ago. Um, and that even in region three, we don't really talk about Newton right now. It's the, the conversation is really centered around Wascom, West Rusk and, and Elysian fields. And so I think a, a strong performance here from the Eagles would first off vault Newton into that category of region three contenders. And then potentially, like you said, put them up in that, in that discussion at the top five level of the state of Texas, where you have the, the teams you mentioned previously. So, um, you know, West Orange Stark, the, the, I think West Orange Stark's a really good team. The problem when you look at them from a regional and state contender level is they've got a big elephant or bulldog, so to speak, in the room in Carthage mm-hmm. uh, in their own region. So it's really hard to really quantify West Orange Stark's regional chances on, on a macro level when they have, they've got that 
giant and Carthage kind of looming. But with Newton, I think a win here would really put them right in, into that mix. I think that that is, uh, I think that's fair. So I'm very excited about that. And uh, uh, screw you, Tropical Storm. What's it called? What's it dumb Tropical Storm name? Uh, um, uh, Nicholas. Let's see. Nicholas. Screw you, Nicholas. You stay away from this. Yes. All right. There's my, there's my, there's my first pick. What is your first pick, Matthew? I'm, I'm just going to go, go and put, put my Friday game right out there. Um, Friday night at Apogee <laughs> Stadium in North Texas. Let it hang out. I mean, listen, you make fun of the, some of the terrible games that I go to, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy this one as we have a top five matchup in class 6A Friday night at Apogee Stadium on the campus of University of North Texas as the Atascacita Eagles for the second time in three weeks, make the long trip up I-45 into the Metroplex to take on the fifth-ranked Denton Geyer Wildcats in a, a a really fascinating matchup because Atascacita comes to Allen two weeks ago, beats Allen, ends the long winning streak, does all the things we talked about last week. And now we're asking them basically to do it again two weeks later because Denton Geyer, I think, is as good, if not maybe a little bit better than Allen. And mm-hmm. that's a tough ass two weeks in a row. If Atascacita can pull off this double, I really think you have to start considering Atascacita as maybe the team to beat in Region Three and Six A Division One. Oh wow, because, really? Yeah, because I, I, you know, we talked about it preseason. I, I think Katie's going to go Division Two, and mm-hmm. you know, at least the early returns on Cinco Ranch are pretty good. You know, they're the, yeah. you know Cinco Ranch that they're, they're off to a really nice start over there. They're they're three and zero at the moment. They they get a big test against Clear Falls, but I think Cinco Ranch has established themselves as a, a legitimate playoff contender, which would by proxy push Katie into Division Two, which then would probably make a Tascacita as maybe the team to beat in Division One. So um, there's a lot going on there, but there, I think that's that's kind of where it stands at the moment. Um, you know, Chase Soul Soul broke out against Allen, and he had another great game last week in their win over Klein Oak. But this, they've got weapons all over the place. They've got Gavin Session at quarterback. They've got um, Keith Whitfield at receiver. They've got Tyrus, um, excuse me, Keith Wheeler at receiver, and then Tyrus Whitfield at running back. I mean, this is a team that, that's got weapons all over the place. You throw in one of the best offensive lines in the Houston area and a really underrated defense. I, I think this is maybe uh, Craig Stump's most complete team he's had at Atascacita. And they had a state semifinal team a few years ago. So this team is loaded. I talked to Rodney Webb about about um, this game uh, Saturday um, when I was on my way to the uh, my game Saturday night in Dallas, and and you know he he said it. He thinks he thinks Atascacita is the real deal. He he speaks mm-hmm. really highly of them. Um, he may have poor boyed a little bit, but you know that's that's what coaches <laughs> do for sure. Uh, and he, you, he can do that occasionally, but he also yeah. I, I'll say this about Rodney Webb. I also don't think he's necessarily in the business of sandbagging. I think if no. he, I think and, and if he likes if he thinks the team's good, he's going to come out and say it. Yes, and this is a really good team. Now he's got a really good team as well. You know, you look at last week against Mansfield Lake Ridge, and it's a Thursday night. They're six days coming off a really emotional win over their arch rival in Denton Ryan in overtime, I, I didn't expect them to come out and be really sharp on Thursday night against Mansfield Lake, an overmatched Mansfield Lake Ridge team. And they weren't, they weren't firing all, on all cylinders, but you, you know, you, you took care of business. You win 37 to six. Mm-hmm. Um, Jackson Arnold has three touchdown passes. Really the Geyer defense uh, really stole the show in this one. And this is, I think the matchup Geyer's defense against that Atascacita offense is going to be a fascinating matchup because Geyer's defense has been, really good through the first three weeks of the season. I believe they've allowed 
they're allowing an average of 10 points per game at the moment. So um, just a, just a really good, solid defensive unit. And we don't talk about that defense enough because I think Rodney Webb's fun offense and Jackson Arnold and all the playmakers that Geyer has on offense kind of steal the show. And that Geyer's defense is, is as advertised. So uh, really excited for this one. I I kind of think Atascacita is going to do it. I think they're going to pull off the DFW double and beat Allen and Geyer on the road in the span of three weeks. And if they do that, I mean, you got to start looking at Atascacita as like, they're already ranked number four and it's hard. It's going to be hard for them to push any higher than that unless somebody ahead of them loses. But I mean, we got to start talking about Atascacita in the same breath as the Katie's, the South Lake Carroll's, the West Lakes, the North Shores, the Duncanville's of the world. Can I tell you something? I think I a hundred percent agree with you. I think they're going to do it. Yeah. I think I, I think that this is the word in watching Atascacita is complete. Like mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know what it is they do poorly. You know, like where do you attack them? Um, you know, I think that I think that they can be I think that they can be susceptible to the run a little bit, but that's about it. You know what I mean? And like you'd rather be susceptible there than than on the deep pass. Just ask, like, say Yule's Trinity or something like that. Like this is, I think that this is a, I think this Tascia team's a real deal, man. And if and I think that you're right. If they come out here and they and they beat and they they as you said do the double right. If they go if they go to Allen Eagle Stadium and then they go to Denton Geyer, who has a better resume than that in the state? Like. Be hard Nobody. to find one. I mean, because they it wasn't like last week's win over Klein Oak was a was a bad win, and Klein Oak's a good team as well. So this is this yeah. is a they're, they're stacking up a really good resume, and, and they'll have a chance to add if they do beat Geyer this week, they'll have a chance to add another notch on the belt later on in the year because they do they play North Shore and District. So this, this they could mm-hmm. have one of the most complete resumes going into the playoffs of anyone in Class Six A. It's going to be fun. Uh, that's a good pick. That is. Um, with a Tuskegee and Geyer. My second pick, I'm going to go to Taylor County in the beautiful big country, just south of Abilene. That's where the three Division One state champions live, uh, the Jim Net Indians. And 7.30 p.m. Friday night, they are going to welcome in to Indian Stadium uh, a team that I think would really like to... Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't think that this is a rivalry, so to speak, uh, with Jim Ned and Cisco. Mm. But I think that they would like to go out there. Uh, let's put it this way: Jim Ned's the team in the big country with the buzz. They're the team that people mm. talk about right now, and Cisco can sure steal that thunder on Friday night if they were to walk into Indian Stadium and get a win. I think that's Absolutely. that's certainly yeah. clear. As uh, the Cisco Lobos and the Jim Ned Indians go at it, seven thirty p.m. Friday night at Indian Stadium. Um. Cisco has certainly played with fire the last couple of weeks. Um, two weeks ago, they go to double overtime against a good wall team and come out on the on the right end of it. And then last week, they go to overtime against the Buckaroos of Breckenridge and come away with a win. Uh, they've been, you know, they've been. Uh, there's been a little bit of squeaky bum time for them, but they've they've come out on the other end. Um, Jim Ned has not had such issues. Uh, no. Jim Ned has been uh, resounding in their uh, in their their uh, dominance, and uh, you know I, I think before the year, I think maybe people looked at three A Division one, and we had Jim Ned installed at number one, and I think there were people who are like, oh, really? Like you know, you're buying in on on them, uh, you know, to to do it again, and 
and they're I would I I, I want to give a shout out to Matt Fanning for at least early making us look smart because they have looked like a number one team should look. You know what I mean? In the same way that like Westlake and six A and six A has looked like a number one team should look. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Ned has looked like a number one team should look, and Absolutely. Xavier Wishart. Xavier Wishart is cooking on both sides of the ball. Tanner Hussman on the defensive side has been cooking. They have been great. Cisco is young. And oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, and, and Tate Yardley, their quarterback, I mean, he, yes. he he's not asked to – he's not going to throw it 30 times a game. But, man, even you know, last year in their state run and then early on this year when he's been asked to make plays in the passing game, he's been really efficient. And that's, that's what sets Jimnet apart is their ability. When they need to throw it, they've got a guy in Tate Yardley who just has – who kind of lives for the moment, so to speak. I mean, listen, tell me you don't need – tell me this isn't what you need from your senior quarterback. Through three games, he's 20 of 35 – for uh, 371 yards, seven touchdowns, no picks. That is that seems about good. as well as you draw it up. And by the way, those are in games where they haven't, you know, they've, they've basically been doing that to get work in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They've been they've been beating a lot of teams. Now, I do think this is their, I do think that this is, this is their best test to date. Um, and Cisco is a team that I think has a possibility to be a really, you know, we still really like in 2A Division One, And... Uh, this is, I think, this is probably both teams' biggest test to date. You know, Jim Ned has uh, they rolled past Ballinger, they rolled past Sweetwater. You know, they rolled past Eastland. Those are good teams. I do mm-hmm. think Cisco is the best one, although they are a two A team. And a lot of this, I think, comes down to to Cisco and their ability to run the ball because uh, they're going to run the ball. They got that kind of power eye, that 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 multiple eye formation. Hunter Long and Trent Houston, both juniors. Uh, they run the ball effectively, and they play clock control, and they keep the and they they keep their defense fresh. And I think that's going to be the name of the game: is who dictates the pace of this. Because believe it or not, as strange as it is to say, Jim Ned probably benefits from a higher scoring game here. Yeah, they're, they're a lot more explosive than Cisco. Is. Yeah, the thing about Cisco is this is their fourth straight game against a three A Division one opponent. They have. Mm-hmm. They 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 schedule really tough and for good reason right they're a really good team and a lot of small schools just don't want to play them so they're kind of forced to, to schedule up and the last two weeks they have really struggled and and that that does worry me I, I just wonder what Cisco has left in the tank mm-hmm. against the best team on their schedule because they got pushed they've gotten pushed to the limit overtime games the last two weeks and Wall and Breckenridge especially Wall Wall is a playoff team for sure Breckenridge is a borderline playoff team yeah. They're fourth or fifth, yeah. They're taking an even bigger. They're playing the defending state champs in Jim Ned, and that type of step up, having played three bigger schools in a row, I think is would for me is a concern uh, going into this. Mm-hmm. Game. I think I think the 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 line for Cisco here is to be competitive and keep this thing close. I think I think if they do that, I think they, they're going to feel really good uh, about this matchup because even if they don't come, I mean they're they're playing to win. Don't get me wrong, but from our perspective. Sure. If I see Cisco play a close game, I think that really validates what I think of Cisco this year on the statewide level in two A Division One. Yeah, because I think that if you take a look at you know two A Division One, if you if you zoom out and look at two A Division One, uh, I mean in Region One, I mean New Deal has been great. I want to give a lot of love to New Deal, but it's probably New Deal, Cisco, and and Hawley in some order. You know. If you want to, if you want to dream on a team like Farwell, they're off to a really nice start. But like those are probably the teams to beat in Region One. And I would say that you're right. If Cisco can at least hang with Jim Ned here on a fourth straight tough non-district matchup, 
then maybe you install them as the the team to beat in in region one. It's a it's a tough mm-hmm. region one, but I think that that's certainly uh, it's certainly out there for them. So that is my second pick. I'm going to take Cisco and Jim Ned. What is your second pick, Matthew? I'm going to go to the Texas Panhandle for a. A really good matchup up in Vega as the two and one mm-hmm. Spearman Lynx take on the state ranked Vega Longhorns at three and zero, and it's a it's a big step up for Vega. There, this is a two A Division two program playing up two divisions in three A Division two against Spearman, and this is a good Spearman team. But you know what's been interesting about Spearman is is they have you know maybe the most prized recruit in the Texas Panhandle and Brennan Thompson, and I really haven't heard much from him this year. I. I don't. Do we know if he's hurt or has he been out? Um, yeah, I don't at know. His results. He he hasn't really been a factor. His name hasn't come up in the stat lines or anything. So we may have to start to uh, reach out to some of our Panhandle contacts and find out what the status of that is. Spearman's been good. They're, they're they dropped their <clears throat> um, season opener to Stratford, and there's no shame in losing to, to Stratford, as we know. Um, they've been good the last two weeks. They got a nice win last week over Dalhart, twenty-one to seven. In fact, Spearman's defense has been the story. Uh, the last two games, they've allowed just seven points, so seven points to Dalhart because they pitched a shutout in uh, week two. So <clears throat> despite losing or not having maybe some of all of their talent available on the offensive side of the ball, the, the defense seems to be stepping up, which is a good sign for Aaron Witten's ball club because they're going to need that defense when you're having to deal with Childers and Canadian inside of district play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, last week, you know, Spearman – they did start fast. They scored three. You know, they, they scored all their points in the first quarter and a half of action. So um, they kind of it seemed like maybe they kind of put it on cruise control in the second half. So um, they're going to need a little bit more this week because you know Vega's explosive. Uh, Ryan Grawwonder, the the quarterback, mm-hmm. had 350 yards of offense and six touchdowns last week for uh, a Vega squad that knocked off Panhandle 59 to 36. I mean Panhandle. For as strong as they were last year in two A Division One, they're they're off to a really slow start. And I know they play a tough schedule, but got some concerns about Panhandle in Division One. Mm-hmm. But but Vega, I mean, just dominates Panhandle. They they win th- by twenty three points, and they get a huge game from their quarterback Ryan Grawwonder. So um, that Spearman defense going against the Vega offense is going to be the matchup to watch in this game. I think Spearman and, and their depth and size will, will, will win out late, but I think Vega's explosiveness, they'll, they'll keep this one close. Um, Going to be keeping an eye on this one because I, I need if we need to find out about Brendan Thompson because you're talking about a four-star recruit at that at that level of play. If he's out for an ex- extended period of time, that, that's pretty pretty noteworthy. So we may have to send some spies out and find out some more info on that. Here's an interesting just little tidbit. Um, somebody is going to come away with their first win over a non-winless team. Okay? All five of the wins in this game, the two for Spearman and the three for Vega, have come mm-hmm. against winless teams. Spearman's That's... beaten Sanford Fritch and Dalhart, both of which are 0-3. And then they lost to Stratford, who's 3-0. and uh, And Vega has beaten Amarillo Highland Park, Boys Ranch, and Panhandle, all of whom who are combined 0-9. It's a, just an odd, just a more odd, I'm not saying that as a, as, as some sort of like, super you know impressive point i'm just saying that's super odd that yeah especially through through, through through three weeks of games exactly so we'll find out a lot about that and 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 for vega you know it's so it's it's funny because you you mentioned uh grow under and and the offense that's been cooking last year if i remember correctly vega was a real defensive stalwart like they mm-hmm. led the defense was the way that they did it this year they've been more 
kind of shootouty. They've been more, you know, light light up the scoreboard. So uh, a different kind of team. And I think that you're right. We'll find out a lot about both of these squads, you know, going forward. Because I do think that for Vega, that's a team in in Region One that I I like a lot. I, I would love uh, if they win this game. They've still got a game against Clarendon. Um, you know, oh, to like close Clar- out non district. Clar- Clarendon's kind of that sleeper hipster team mm-hmm. that no one's talking about. Um, they've still got a game against Clarendon, but I do think that there's a fair opportunity that if they be if they win this game, then they of course they've still got Clarendon. But then we could be talking about week ten, them welcoming in Stratford undefeated versus undefeated. Like it really mm-hmm. could be that way. So um a lot a lot to learn there with Vega uh taking on uh, Spearman in week two or this week. All right, my third pick. I am going to go to uh, Dallas, the heart of Dallas, to Highlander Stadium in Dallas in Highland Park as the two and one Highland Park Scots welcome in the three and zero Rockwall Yellow Jackets seven thirty p.m. Friday night. And uh, hey, um, did you see what Rockwall did last week? They did stuff. They sure did. Um, that was impressive. That was, I mean, they just they just kind of whipped up on Lake Travis. I mean, that was uh, Braden Locke. Our friend Jay Plotkin was at the game. He believes that the 514 yards or whatever it was is the most that Lake Travis has ever allowed. They were absolutely clobbering uh, Lake Travis offensively. And Braden Locke, Noble Johnson, their wide receiver, went off. They were fantastic. They were fantastic, and now, but you know, let's let's be honest about Rockwall. Offense, no notes. Fantastic. Keep doing what you're doing. Defense, um, fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you, they're doing what they need to do. They're fine. Well, here's Highland Park for sure. That's a good way to put it. Opportunistic. Yeah. Well, here's Highland Park. Highland Park. Um, you know, they lose their they lose their opener to uh, South Lake Carroll. No shame in that. We're obviously we obviously think South Lake Carroll uh, is pretty darn good. Uh, and then since then, you know, look, they've 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 been OK. Flower, they, they, they kind of scramble together to get a game against Flower Mound. Uh, and then did they have to scramble together to get, or is this Coppell game on the books? It was on the books. It was on the books. It was on the books. OK. And and here's the weird thing is that Highland Park. The offense, um, still kind of stuck in neutral. You know, they're, they're uh, not putting up huge numbers for sure. No, they they're, scored they're twenty-eight against. Four. Yeah, and and let me tell you what ju- just where just enough ain't gonna fly is in this game. Just no. enough ain't gonna fly because Rockwall's gonna score, and this is a big explosive offense there for Rockwall. Brennan Store, they're going to have to go and I mean, they're going to have to get this game into the 30s. If they do not score in the 30s, they're toast. Like this, this 28 24 they did against Flower Mound, not going to play. You know? Um, yeah, no. Agreed. The, the offense is going to have to hit the gas. Here's the thing, though, and here's why I am interested in, in this game Highland Park, since 1998, <laughs> has lost two games at Highlander Stadium. Two. They lost to that Pulaski Academy in mm-hmm. um, in uh, 2015, I want to say, mm-hmm. and then they uh, and then they lost to Frisco Lone Star back in 20, 2019. Yeah. That's the list. And so there's this, you know, certainly there's a home field advantage, but they have been they have been one of the toughest teams in America to beat at home. 
But at the same time, man, I don't remember the last time they were this kind of underdog because I got to be honest, I think Rockwall's not just a favorite. I think they might be an overwhelming favorite in this game. Yeah, um, I guess probably, I mean, this is weird for Highland Park because they were pretty significant underdogs dogs against South Lake Carroll in week one also. But, mm-hmm. you know, at home, it's, it's, even, it's a more interesting kind of conundrum for the Scots because they just don't lose at home very often, as you stated. So you've got to wonder for Rockwall with the big win last week over Lake Travis if – if there's if there if there's a letdown factor this week, mm-hmm. there shouldn't be because remember last year Rockwall beat South Lake Carroll and then turned around and lost to Highland Park at home, right mm-hmm. after they beat South Lake Carroll. So if, if Highland Park's if there's any chance of a letdown for Rockwall, you would think that would be off the books because of what happened last year against Highland Park. I, I think if Rockwall comes in, plays their game, and just does what they're supposed to do, I just don't think Highland Park can keep up with them. And this is this is such an explosive offense for Rockwall. I, I just feel like Highland Park just doesn't have the weaponry to keep up with Rockwall if, if if Rockwall can turn the pace up in this game. And look, let's let's be honest. They have played. I mean, with all due respect to, I, I guess Flower Mount does have Nick Evers. So shout out to shout out to him. But like the the offense that you would say is the be- biggest avatar, best avatar to Rockwall that Highland Park has played is Southlake Carroll. And Southlake Carroll beat him by 24, mm-hmm. like on a neutral field, by the way. Yes. Now this is at home. So, so maybe that's different, but I don't know, man, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I, if, if, if Highland Park goes in, they get blown out at home. I, I don't necessarily know if I'm going to, I want to freak out about Highland Park. Uh, be, but at the same time, if Longview is going to get this offense cooking, you know what I mean? Then maybe there's a district loss. I don't know. I, I, it, there's a lot. There's a lot to learn about this Highland Park team, and and I think we're going to learn a lot depending on how much they can hang with Rockwall and if that offense can get out of neutral. That's kind of kind of where we're at. Anyway, that's my third pick is Rockwall and Highland Park. What is your third pick, Matthew? I want to go back to the big school ranks, and I'm going to head to Collin County. We're going to stay in the Metroplex as we get a state ranked matchup in 5A Division Two as the two and O Denison Yellow Jackets open up their district schedule against the 3 and 0 Lovejoy Lovejoy Leopards who opened up district play last week with a convincing win um, over Princeton. And this has been an interesting rivalry the last couple of years within district play because Denison especially a couple of years ago has come into this game as the favorite and Lovejoy's found a way to beat Denison in close games the last couple of years. And a couple of those years it knocked Denison completely out of the playoffs cuz you remember in 2019 Denison beat Frisco in district play, but got into a wonky three-way tie with Lovejoy and Lake Dallas and mm-hmm. missed out on the playoffs. And because it was primarily because of Denison's close loss to Lovejoy. Last year, Lovejoy beats Denison in a shootout. Denison had a big lead. Lovejoy comes back and wins in a shootout. I want to say 52 to 50. Um, just a wild, um, high-scoring affair, which is which kind of fits Lovejoy's personality under Chris Ross. They're they're a high-flying team that's going to score points. In fact. Uh, through three games, they're averaging 61 points a game. That seems pretty good. Um, uh, and it's, I, I think you would take that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll take it. I mean, if you're playing football. <laughs> Might not take it if you're playing basketball, but on, on the football yeah. field, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they've got a lot of weapons. Jackson Lavender was the latest guy to go off last week. He catches 10 passes for 164 yards and three touchdowns. They Lovejoy had three different receivers with 90-plus yards receiving, and they rolled up 605 yards of offense. Lovejoy is going to score points. 
Hmm. Uh, if you're Dennison and Brent Winston's off, they're they're off to a nice start. They're two and zero. Um, they had they've had a week to prepare. That, that's a nice advantage for Dennison going into this game. Is they've had a full week to get ready for this game, and they do have that guy in Jadarian Price, the Notre Notre Dame commit at running back. Um, but they've got a lot of weapons as well. They've got a three year starter at quarterback. They've got some playmakers across the board. Um, Dennison is a solid team, but I you don't want to get into a shootout with Lovejoy. I think for Dennison, the, the path to victory here is relying on your defense and relying on that running game to kind of keep the ball away from Lovejoy and hope that your defense with a limited number of possessions can get can get a couple of stops and find a way to win it late because this Lovejoy offense is so explosive. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of the key. Um, you know, Lovejoy's had Dennison's number; they've been evenly matched. I like Lovejoy in this game, but but the odds say Dennison, if they're anywhere close to Lovejoy, maybe maybe the, the worm turns in their favor a, l- a little bit this week. I mean, they've got to be due, right? Right, they've just got to be due. Yeah. Um, and and here's you know here's the one thing about about Lovejoy, um, you know I I just don't they, they've put up these impressive numbers, right? They put up these impressive numbers, but I also don't think they've played anybody. Like the, the they, Brian they, they, game is probably the best win. Yeah, Brian Brian's a solid six eighteen. They're not they're not world beaters in six eight. The I mean, Sulphur Springs and Princeton don't strike fear into the hearts of anyone for sure that's that's exactly right so you know and you know obviously a lot of as far as district ramifications are concerned i think there's a fair argument to be made that these are the two best teams frisco frisco high probably has something to say about that in district 758 division one or uh, division two rather but um but there's you know there's a lot to a lot to sort out here in a critical district matchup here you know if you're if you're denison you know, if you're Denison and 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 you've you've got Lovejoy to open, you're coming off a bye week. You do that, you know, you're feeling pretty good about about getting one of the at least one of those top two spots in in, in the district, which is going to be, of course, very critical. Especially for Denison, because I think they have a they have a definite home field advantage up there in Texoma playing at Munson Stadium. Yeah, exactly. All right, that is a good uh, third pick for you. For me, I am going to go, and this may actually be the second time I've picked a game. Maybe it was on the road for that one. Uh, let's go to Wilson County uh, in technically the San Antonio metropolitan area uh, to Poth, Texas, where the Poth Pirates at Jack Lane Stadium, 7.30 p.m. Friday night, are going to welcome in the Shiner Comanches. And um, I, believe Ish, I believe this is Ish's Friday game. I think Ish is going, going to be at this, this matchup. I think this game has a chance to be like one of those like old school everybody wakes up super sore on saturday games because <laughs> yeah. i think these two these two teams are going to knock the crap out of one another both both's defense has been like you know they're the number 10 team in our rankings right now and both's defense has been superb superb now they beat lytle in their opener lytle's down they they, they held held fall city to 14 that is no small feat you know they yeah, were able to they were able to win eight yeah, they're able to win a low-scoring slugfest against Fall City. That is tough because that's Fall City's kind of bread and butter. Well, now they get a team that also likes to play relatively low-scoring uh, slugfests, and that is the Shiner Comanches. Now, Shiners had a weird year. They open up against Hallettsville, then they play Blanco and they blow them out. Blanco is is not what they've been in the past few years. Mm-hmm. And then, do I have this right? Did they play San Antonio Davenport last week? Yes, that's one of those new new programs there in San Antonio that's not uh, playing a full – they're playing an outlaw schedule this year. So they'll join a district next year, and I believe they're going to be a 5A school. 
I was going to say, that's a 2A against a 5A. Yeah. Uh, but they beat them, and obviously that's a different situation, and you know they're, they're their own thing. But they've had a weird year that like we saw them go on the road and beat Hallettsville. Super impressive. We have gone two weeks without learning basically anything about them. And now we'll learn a lot, because here's a post team that is going to be able to knock them in the mouth, that mm-hmm. is not going to be afraid of them and is going to try to uh, flex on them defensively in the way that they have. Now, these are two defenses that have been fantastic. The running game with Dalton Brooks and Doug Brooks has been churning along uh, for Shiner. And and there seems like there's been no let up in what they've been able to do. Um, I think this game could be like 17 to 10 or like 14 to 10. 13. I think this could be a real low scoring slug. I think if somebody gets into the 20s, I think they just get to win the game. Like yeah. it, it, it really could be that close because I think these are two teams that are really, really talented on the defensive side. And they're going to keep, and, and both teams that like to play ball control offense, that I think this game's going to fly by. And I think it's going to be, we're going to, we're going to look up and it's going to be the fourth quarter and it's going to be like 10 7 or something like that. I got a hot take about this game. Okay. I think Shiner's going to roll. Whoa! Really? I think Shiner's going to roll. Keep, keep, I picked uh, Shiner, I, but I'm not, I don't think they're going to roll. I, I think Shiner uh, is Shiner about two plus touchdowns. Okay, two plus touchdowns. We'll see if I'm right. That's my bold prediction of the week. Are you just feeling feeling the Comanches? Yeah, and I, and I, I think Post's a little. I think I, I'm not real bullish on Post this year. Um, I don't know something something about them. I don't know. I just I'm not real. I, I think it's because I'm well, used to both. I'm used to both having a really high flying offense and scoring a lot of points, and it's just weird to see them be a defensive yeah. team this year. We'll see. That's going down uh, seven thirty p.m. Friday night in Poth. What is your fourth pick, Matthew? I'm gonna go over to Huffman in a, in a kind of under the radar. If it wasn't a game that we were profiling on the website, could, might qualify as a hipster game. As mm-hmm. the two and one Navasota Rattlers uh, head down Highway Six into the Golden Triangle. To take on the Hargrave Falcons, who are three and zero, and, and Mike McEachern's squad's having another great year. It, really quietly, they they got to the third round of the playoffs last year, and quietly they he's put together a really good program uh, there at Huffman, and they're off to a great three and zero start uh, behind uh, quarterback Luke Thomas, who had himself quite the ball game last week for the Falcons uh, as he. Uh, Passes for 234 yards and three touchdowns. He rushes for 47 yards. He picked off two passes, returned one for a touchdown. Um, he's he's put up huge numbers. In fact, in three weeks, Huffman has allowed a total of two points defend, on, on the season. They have two shutouts. <laughs> and last week, Bridge City um, technically scored on the offense, not on the defense, because they they got a safety, a, a safety or a two point conversion yeah. in a 38 to two. Uh, win I, as Huffman beats I tweeted City. out the list of the play of the teams that haven't allowed a point this year. Um, and it's like, there's four of them. It's like uh Seagaville hasn't allowed a point. Like Premont hasn't allowed a point and things like that. And like, of course Huffman's not on there cause they've given up two points. And I had somebody mm-hmm. in my mentions being like, uh, actually they haven't given up a point too, which is fair. But like, I'm just, I'm just reading off of a spreadsheet. Oh, folks. Yeah. Uh, Soda, I, you know, they, they, been down the last couple of years. Casey Dacus is, you know, a Navasota alum, and, and he's, you know, I think Navasota's close to, to getting back. Them and, them and Cuero in that District 13-4A Division Two are kind of the teams that were looking to possibly return to glory this year. 
and Navasota two and one on the year. Uh, big win over Mahia last week, sixty three to twenty one. In fact, early early in the second quarter, they're trailing Mahia fourteen to thirteen, and then they rattle off forty nine straight points. Uh, so huge win for Navasota uh, to blow past a, a, a rebuilding Mahia squad, but still, anytime you can beat a team like Mahia by six touchdowns, you're, you're doing something. So um, this is this offense at Navasota, they're going to spread it around. They're going to have a lot of speed. It's going to be a big test for that Huffman defense. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out another limb here. Huffman's going to allow some points in this game. Real, real <laughs> hot take there. Uh, but I, I like Huffman. I think Thomas in, in that Huffman up, up front will have enough to hold off Navasota. This is going to be a big early test for Huffman, and I think Navasota uh, pushes them on the road. If if Huffman pitches a shutout against Navasota, can people tweet you? Yes, they can. Okay, good. I will, I will <laughs> accept. I will accept all trash talking tweets. <laughs> it's they're going to win like seventeen nothing. You're going to be like, oh man. Uh, all right, there you go. That's that's uh, Huffman, Hargrave, and Navasota. I'm glad you took that because that's that's one of those games that's going to that was going to end up on my cutting room floor. So I'm glad you were able to to get it. So for my fifth and final pick, Matthew, I'm going to bounce back up to the Metroplex. And I'm going to go to a, a district opener in District 116A, the District of Doom, as it's called, as the Duncanville Panthers visit the DeSoto Eagles. And let's not bury the lead here. Uh, there is a chance for a significant piece of Texas high school football history in this game. Yes, and, there is. And I don't want to. I don't want to understate this. This is this is huge. Reginald Samples, the head coach at Duncanville, is sitting on two hundred and ninety nine career wins. Uh, the three hundred win mark has been accomplished by twelve coaches in Texas high school football history. And by the way, the list of coaches who do not have three hundred wins is full of Hall of Famers, like. 300 wins is a is it's the it's the 3000 hits of baseball right mm-hmm. uh it's 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 the milestone uh in in coaching and it is not lost on on anybody that he would be the first black coach to do it and Correct. yes um and uh, uh Aaron Hardigan our friend at Valley Sports Southwest did a really cool piece on it and talked to a lot of coaches a lot of black coaches about the uh you know, his legacy and his and coach samples, what he has, like the mentorship that he's been and his coaching tree, which is ridiculous because his staff gets rated every every year. Um, and just how many coaches looked at him as a mentor and as as somebody who who does this. So a lot there's history on the line here. History history here. And make no mistake, DeSoto would love nothing more than to make him wait. They would love nothing more than to make Duncanville wait to celebrate this milestone, especially sure. on their home field. And, you and know, Claude, Claude Mathis is—we know how competitive he is—and and Reggie Samples has kind of had his. I mean, he's had the edge in, the, in the, their head-to-head matchups as coaches. So, uh, I think this would be—you know—Coach Mathis. I think would 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 you know he respects Coach Samples obviously, sure. and, and they they have a good relationship. You know, it's much better than it used to be. Put it that way, um, mm. but. He's still a competitor. He doesn't want Reggie yeah. to get that that three hundredth win against him for sure. And it would be a this this game uh, has Huge. a lot of it's got a lot of playoff implications on the line because it look you know looking at eleven six a Desoto and and Duncanville are probably going to be in on the Division one side of the, of the bracket. So this is going to come you know playoff seating is going to be a factor in this game because the winner uh, would get the number one seed. Now last year it didn't matter that much because they ended up 
they didn't, you know, I remember they didn't play in the regular season last year. Mm-hmm. You know, COVID and, and precautions and were were were, were kind of everybody. Everyone had the COVID precautions in, so they didn't play the game. Uh, they they d- chose not to play it because um, it didn't mean anything. Because eleven six a went to that weird zone schedule, and the mm-hmm. everything was already decided when they played. So they just decided there was no point in playing the game. They ended up playing the playoffs, and it was close for a little while. But Duncanville pulled away in the second half for the win. So. There's a lot of questions with these two teams, though. I don't think we really yeah. know much about either one of these two teams uh, coming into this game because, you know, especially when you look at Duncanville, I mean, they they get blown out by Modern Day in the first game of the year, and boy, red flags are flying up from people that were at the game and that kind of thing. And then they they beat South Oak Cliff, but they weren't exactly, I would say, <laughs> uh, it wasn't exactly a, 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 a thorough domination of a no. smaller school that you would expect from Duncanville. No, most certainly. And and look, it's it's weird to say because but but I mean, we have questions for Duncanville on both sides of the ball. Like we thought coming into the year like, okay, offense, a lot of new pieces and and don't get me wrong, the the offense, you know, fits and starts new quarterback Solomon James has been uneven. They're trying to feed Malachi Medlock, he's been pretty good. They're they're running back, but they're just a little bit, you know, fits and starts offensively. We kind of expected that. The defense and and look, it, it's so hard to get a read on what the modern day win actually means or loss actually means because they're just such a different, they're a different animal. You know what I mean? Like they they're, are. you know, yeah. they, they, they like it's you, there's no apples to oranges or anything. It's, it's just completely different. But then like to give up 27 points, to South Oak cliff. And it's like, South Oak Cliff is not this super high-powered explosive offense. They're a team that wins a lot of games 14 to 10. You know what I mean? And so that's a little bit interesting. But DeSoto's got questions too. I mean, DeSoto's 2-1. and one. They go to Judson and lose in a close game. That, then they beat Arlington. Loss, let me just mm-hmm. say that, that Judson loss has not aged well. No, Judson's now one and two. Yeah. Um, and then and and so then it's they have they beat Arlington Bowie and they beat North Crowley. Two teams that I mean, quite frankly, they should beat and they should beat handily. Mm-hmm. Well, now you know the the thing about them, their their offense, they've got a couple of playmakers, especially their wide receiver core is great. John Tay Cook, Mike Murphy, they got that. Their quarterback Matt Allen's been okay. He's been okay. Defense has been a little bit suspect it's it's a it's a bizarre game that i feel like we will learn we will learn more about both these teams in this game than i think we will have found out in their previous five games combined absolutely like there's, there's this no is the one and, about it. Yeah. and and we'll learn and and we'll have a lot on the line like a lot on the line as you mentioned so uh duncanville DeSoto, a history on the line DeSoto, you know it, it'll be very interesting to see how this thing goes and 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 i'm I'm very intrigued, and obviously all eyes will be on that game. There could be a lot of attention on it because there always is. It's Duncanville uh, but, DeSoto. Even, yeah. even when there's questions about the, the teams, we still it's still going to be a fun game. There's still a lot of talent on the field. But I think that it's so strange because like, there's four units, both offenses and both defenses, and whichever one can sort out their issues is going to win this game. Like if the Duncanville defense figures it out, game over. They're going to win. If the Desoto def- or the Desoto offense figures it out, they're probably going to win the game. Like I think Duncanville's the favorite, but it's an interesting, interesting matchup. So that is my fifth and final pick, Duncanville and Desoto. What is your fifth and final pick, Matthew? I'm going to go down to the Texas coast, and uh, we'll hold a good thought for our friends down there with uh, with Tropical Storm Nicholas mm-hmm. kind of bearing down on the area. Hopefully, uh, it gets through there with uh, minimal minimal damage, and we can get the games played in this weekend. Uh, I, talking to some coaches down there, they feel pretty confident these game, the, the games are going to get played uh, because of the timing of the storm, but hopefully it, it gets through there with minimal damage. 
Uh, but we have a Friday night game in Corpus Christi as district ball game, the second district ball game of the year for these two as two and one Victoria East and one and zero in district 15, five, a division one takes on three and zero and one and zero and state ranked Corpus Christi veterans Memorial um, <clears throat> in a really big district ball game. These, you know, veterans Memorial, you know, they get off that slow start against Alice and they, they almost lose that game. And we're, I don't want to say we buried them, but we had some definite concerns oh. about the Eagles. And the last two weeks, they have um, alleviated those concerns in a major fashion with back-to-back blowout wins over a really good Corpus Christi Miller team. And then last week, they they did what we, what we expect them to do against Corpus Christi King, which is blow them out, and they they pitched a fifty-two to nothing shutout. Um, new quarterback Elijah Durrett continues to improve. He throws for 206 yards and four touchdowns in his third varsity start. Uh, the young quarterback is getting better and better each week. Uh, his favorite target is clearly Cameron De La Pena, uh, who was kind of the number two receiver last year. He's emerged as a top target. He had three touchdown catches last week. And then the defense, you know, the Vets defense uh, for in two of their three games has been really good. And they, they got hurt a little bit early in that Miller game. Uh, it was it was a shootout for about two quarters, but in the second half, they completely shut Miller down. And this has been a, a defense that I think has played uh, much better than, than their paper early on. Um, they'll get a test this week against Victoria East. Um, Jaden Williams has been a, a real revelation for the Titans. He's he's put on he's put up some good numbers. He, he had a great game in their win over over Corpus Christi Carroll last week. You know, you look at at, at Victoria East and. And they're a team that's kind of under the radar. They they made a nice playoff run last year. They they started out slow. They had, they lost their season opener. They've won the last two, and they 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 dominate Christ, Corpus Christi Carroll. Um, and so I think if if Victoria East team speed at the skill spots will be a challenge for Victoria for v- Corpus Christi vets, but I think the vets defense has been a lot better this year, and I think that's they're, they're much more better equipped to handle teams with with good speed. And I think the continued improvement of Durrett in this offense will will be will be really a big factor in this one. So East keeps it close for you know quarter mm-hmm. quarter and a half, but but I think Vets pulls away and gets themselves a really big district win to improve to four and zero and kind of put themselves in the driver's seat there in fifteen five A Division One. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I think that's most likely. I would love to see. You know, it's been a minute since we've been talking about a Victoria team as like having having a, being a true contender. I'd love to see Victoria. Victoria East looks like they could have that that juice. And I think to be clear, I think they're a playoff team. I don't think that's. I think that's really. I'm not. I'm not worried about that. But yeah. um. But you know, this is going to be this is interesting. And I'll tell you this: if Victoria East can 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 win this game, they can certainly turn that district upside down. You know. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Victoria uh, but, West you know, last year was the team. Like, Victoria West, I think, had, had made that surprise run to the third round of the playoffs last year, and kind of. Mm-hmm. And the East made the playoffs last year, but lost in the first round in a close game to Westlaco East. So, um, you know, I, I think I think both Victoria schools will be in that playoff mix. But, man, Corpus mm-hmm. Christi Vets is kind of the, the standard bearer there, yeah. in, not only in CCISD but on the Texas coast. So um, it's a lot lot to ask. I, I think that district will eventually come down to a, a showdown with, between Flower Bluff and Veterans Memorial, which is what happened last think- year. I think you're right. I think that's the most likely scenario. All right. So there it is. There's our draft. Uh, I took Newton and West Orange Stark, Cisco, Jim, Ned, Rockwall, Highland Park, Shiner and Poth, and Duncanville, DeSoto. Step took Atascacita, Geyer, Vega, Spearman, Denison, Lovejoy, Huffman, Hargrave, Navasota, and Victoria East Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial. It's now time for the award-winning Hipster Game of the Week. Matthew, would you like to do the honors? Yeah, I'm going to go to 3A Division One in a potential – It's 
it, it's a it's a reach for a hipster pick, but it's we didn't talk about it. So uh, this is a what I think could be a state semifinal preview as Edna takes on mm-hmm. Columbus in a really good game that's not probably getting the attention that it deserves. And I'll tell you what, Edna in a, in a loss to Refurio, I think really impressed me. I thought Edna pushed Refurio for about three quarters, and that's something that a lot of teams on that part of the state just don't do. Um, so um, I think the Cowboys are for real. I think they're a threat in Region 4, and they're playing a team in Columbus who won Region 3 last year and is – Right there in the mix in 3A Division One Region 3 once again. So um, great measuring stick game for both of these teams. And I think we can kind of get an idea of how region the best in Region 4 in Edna, you know, Edna's one of the best teams in Region 4, how they stack up with one of the best teams in Region 3. I like Columbus. It's at home. It's in Columbus. And I think Columbus up front is going to have the edge. But Edna's, Edna's team speed will be, will be a challenge for, for the Cardinals in this one. I think that's an excellent pick. It's uh, you're right. It's stretching the bounds of the hipster game, but uh, you know, it's it's at least you know, it's outside the it's outside the norm. It's probably off people's radar. They may they may not notice just how important and how telling this game could be. So that's a good one. Edna and Columbus, Matthew. I'm going to go to a district game for my hipster game of the week. Matt, All right. there are there are only I tweeted this yesterday. I want to say there's 34 34 matchups of undefeateds this week. 34. Uh, and that's across all classifications, 1A, private school, everything. And one of them is a district matchup in District 29-6A. Let's talk about this game is 7 o'clock Thursday night at Gustafson Stadium as the San Antonio Taft Raiders take on the San Antonio Marshall Rams in a battle of 3-0 and teams. And I'll go out and say this. I think the winner of this game is going to get a playoff spot. Yeah, I think this is the first time in quite some time Marshall's been three and zero, yeah. and you know Taft was kind of the uh, was a surprise team last year in uh, in San Antonio. I think I think Taft made, made that surprise run to the third mm-hmm. round of the playoffs. They did, and so these teams are are three and zero. Marshall is come. Marshall has has put up a fair amount of points. They kind of padded their stats early with a big win over San Antonio MacArthur. They've had a, a great one two punch with Jack Kaliski, their quarterback, and Elisha Katashi, their running back. Uh, they've been very good offensively. Defense held up their end of the bargain as well. Got a close narrow win over San Antonio Stevens last week. Speaking of narrow wins, uh, Taft. Beats San Antonio Holmes fourteen to thirteen last week. As Holmes goes, Holmes, did you hear how this game ended? No, I didn't. Okay, so it's seven seven with ten seconds left in the game. <laughs> okay, <laughs> hold okay. on. Okay. Taft throws a ten yard touch this pa- touchdown pass. Justice Hurt hits Jamel Criswell ten yard touchdown pass. Eight mi- eight seconds to go. All right, Taft's going to win it. Holmes returns the kickoff for a touchdown. 80 yards, wow. goes for two, and Taft stops it. Taft knocks it away, the pass it away. I mean, they got the momentum. That's, that's the momentum <laughs> play there, right? I love it. I love it. And they were underdogs in that game. And so there you have it. They're both 3-0, and both by, kind of by the hair on the transition, although Taft much more like that. Um, I think this game's going to be really interesting uh, because I think that both these defenses have been playing pretty well all together, but they both have quarterbacks who can who are capable of, of kind of taking the game over. When you talk about Justice Hurt uh, for the uh, at the quarterback spot for Taft uh, and the aforementioned Kaliski for for Holt, uh, for uh, Marshall, and like I said, you take a look at this. I think everybody kind of pencils in almost certainly a loss to Brennan, right? I think Brennan's mm-hmm. going to beat both these teams, but the rest of it. 
dude, it is just a just a mishmash of teams. I mean, between them, between Warren, who's I think pretty good, but 0-2, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're going to be 0-3 because they're going to play Brennan this week. And then Holmes, who, you know, very nearly got a win last week. And 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 you toss in Jay, like, who's undefeated, 3-0 Jay. Like, it, I do think that the winner of this game, Taft and Marshall, I think they can probably start preparing for the playoffs. I think that's this is a big game here in week four. I'm excited about it. Taft and, like Taft it. and Marshall. That that's the definition of a hipster game right there. I like I like that's that. A, there you go. So there you go. There's your hipster game of the week. Where are you heading this week, Matthew? All right. Uh, Thursday night, I will be in the DFW Metroplex as the I'll be watching the Ranchview Wolves take on the Dallas Carter Cowboys at Kincaid Stadium. Be back to back games at Kincaid Stadium for me because I was at Kincaid on Saturday night for the South Dallas Super Bowl between Lincoln and Madison. Back at Kincaid Thursday night for Ranchview and Dallas Carter. Uh, and then Friday night, I'll be at the University of North Texas for the showdown, uh, the top five showdown between fourth-ranked mm-hmm. uh, Umbola Tascacita and fifth-ranked Denton Geyer. Uh, and then, and then Saturday, <laughs> Saturday at, I will be in the Houston area. Um, it's a big bye week this week, by the way. A lot, a lot, a lot of the main It's not as many games to choose from this week, but I do have a doubleheader Saturday in Houston. As oh, my first game will be at Hall Stadium in Sugarland, as the Houston Northside Panthers oh. take on state-ranked Fort Bend Marshall in a game that is probably going to be lopsided. Uh, but James Williams and Fort Bend Marshall are a state title contender, and I want to get at least some eyes on them while I'm in town and get an interview post-game with Coach Williams. Um, what's the point spread on that game, Tepper? Do you want me to tell you? <laughs> uh, I'm, let me just pull this up real quick. Um, according to my calculations, uh, Fort Ben Marshall is a cool. Uh, oh, they're a cool 87 point favorite. Yes, it's the biggest uh, point spread of the week. Yep, that's my game Saturday. And then uh, Saturday evening, I will be at newly remodeled Trailer Stadium there in Rosenberg uh, for uh, – you can see our buddy Marcus Schultz and the Umble Wildcats taking on the Lamar Consolidated Mustangs. Uh, Umble got their first win last week. They're one and two. Blue Lo- Rosenberg Lamar is also one and two. Uh, so a good chance for Umble and Coach Schultz uh, to get another uh, – I think they'll be a favorite in that game. So it'll be a good chance to get eyes on Umble, see if they're a playoff contender, and check out uh, the new digs there in Lamar Consolidated ISD. Dude, I just pulled up Umble's schedule. So they get Lamar Consolidated this week. And as, as, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, that's a that's a close game. I think the computer has uh, um, Lamar Consolidated by, by eight. But it's probably the, com- the computer is also super impressed with that 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 win over Foster in the mm-hmm. opener. So like they're they're booing that. So it's probably I, I think it's closer to a pick 'em. It should be a good game. Uh, <laughs> Then next week they play a Tascacita, and then the next week they play North Shore. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> well, Get Coach Schultz, yeah, you uh, you wanted it, there you <laughs> I mean, go. but that's a that's a that's a rough schedule. Anyway, that's uh, good. I I want to tell people to please watch Valley Sports Southwest on uh, Friday from seven to one and seven p.m. to one a.m. I'm supposed to tell you that. Please do that. And yeah, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Thanks for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. And Steph, thanks for your courage and travel safe back to America. Thank you. Talk to you next week on Tap and Stuff.